Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomer. My guest today is RJ Post, an author, former journalist, editor, and manager for several newspapers. As the newspaper industry changed, RJ moved into being a marketer, copywriter, and is now also author of the book, Lion Taming, Dating, and Other Dangerous Endeavors, a collection of 12 short stories. Welcome, RJ. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. And we're happy to have you. This will be an interesting podcast. So let's start by telling your story to my audience. What attracted you to fiction writing? How long have you been writing? That kind of thing. Well, actually, I'd been a storyteller longer even than I could write. One of my earliest memories is of taking the local newspaper, the comics page, and copying the comics, actually, with my watercolor set. Wow, that's interesting. And then I took them around the neighborhood and delivered them. I had an older brother that delivered newspapers. And so I think that's where I got the idea for that. Right. And then when I was in fifth grade, I actually started my own newspaper in our fifth grade classroom and distributed it to people and whatnot. Later on, I delivered newspapers myself. And then when I was in high school, especially, I got interested in writing fiction writing short stories and other things like that. Always been a big reader. Mm-hmm. But then I went to college and studied journalism and English. Went into the newspaper business. I worked for 31 years in the newspaper business. Wrote a lot of stories, edited a lot of stories, did management type things. And that kept me busy 50, sometimes 60 hours a week. Oh, yeah. Ruling hours. Yeah. And at the same time, my wife and I were re- raising three kids three daughters, and they had a lot of activities. They were in, our youngest daughter was in three plays one summer. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's a lot of running around. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was. And uh, all in band and vocal music and theater and all those kinds of things. So that kept us pretty busy. And then about five years ago with the changes in the newspaper industry, I got out of that. I got into marketing and worked in another town for a marketing agency. So it takes me about 40 minutes driving there, 40 minutes driving home. Mm -hmm. And then we've had the pandemic. Yeah, COVID. There you go. Yeah, there you go. And everybody shut down. Our office shut down. I was working from home. And I had that extra time. I wasn't getting in the car and driving back to work and back home. So kind of, what can I do at that time? Well, maybe I can get back to that first love of writing fiction. Mm. And so I started up with that. And uh, the first thing I wrote was about 500 words, what we can call a flash fiction piece. Mm -hmm. And that went pretty well. And uh, so I just kept at it. And by the time I got to the 12th one that's in this book, that one is 7,000 words. Oh, wow. So they just grew over time. So there's a variety of different genres and a variety of different lengths in this one book. 
Yeah, that really intrigued me because usually writers like to stick to one thing like crime or mystery or whatever. But you've got lots of different types in that 12 different stories, different types of stories in that one book, which is really it's kind of different. So what made you do that? Like, that's just you 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 didn't latch on to one. Like, I love writing about crime. I'm going to do all crime stories. Right. You, you even did some on like supernatural stories, which is another very unique thing to talk about. Right. Well, hopefully that's a benefit to the reader because they can get a wide variety of things. If you're like that person that likes to go to the store and buy all the different chips in one big package or all the little boxes of cereal or on Halloween, the bag with all the different little candies in it. Right. But for me, it was more interesting because I could explore a lot of different things. I could explore different genres and different writing techniques, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one story in here that has two different endings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Got an ending. Uh-huh. It's got the happy ending, and then uh-huh. it's got the sad ending. <laughs> so and people tell me they actually like the sad ending better. Really? So we'll leave that to people decide what they like. Well, because life is not always a happy ending. It's not. Let's be realistic. That's true. It's probably more real with the sad ending. Yeah. And then I have one that is kind of Uh nonlinear. I'll have another one that I actually built the whole story around using misheard sound lyrics. (laughs) <laughs> that's a bit there i can't tell you how many times i'm thinking they're one way and and then you look at the words and you go that's not what they said i think a lot of us have misheard song lyrics that we keep repeating over and over again in our head the mm-hmm. wrong way that is so funny that's a great storyline so it's a little bit of a, a contest too i mean at the end, I list all the songs that the, the lyrics come from. Uh-huh. And you can see as you're going along how many of them you can identify. Right, right. Oh, that's fun. That's a fun thing to do. So you get a little bit of interaction with the story. That's neat. I like that. Well, great. I had a lot of fun writing that one. Yeah. So how long do you think it took to get all the 12 chapters done? Do you have any idea? Because you did them at different times. You might not have a real good idea, but I'd be interested in knowing. I think I started writing in April of 2020 Okay, when we were all at home, locked down, wondering yeah. what was going to happen. Right. And I actually had the book completed and for sale by that November. Wow. That's really fast. Wow. That's amazing. That's great. Now, for sale. Now, did you self-publish or did you have a publisher you used? How did you get it up for sale that fast? You must well, have self-published. Actually, I- I did self-publish. Yeah, yeah, because you can't go through the traditional methods that fast. You really can't. So you self-publish. No, no. Right. Initially, I had my idea toward marketing these toward literary magazines and other magazines. Right. But about the time I was doing this, a lot of them were going on hiatus. <laughs> wow. You know, I'd send it off and I'd get an email. Well, we're not accepting any submissions right now. Oh, Because we shut down because of the pandemic. Right. So after I started getting a few of these, I thought, well, when we get enough, let's do a book. That's right. That was smart. And I had to investigate the different kinds of self-publishing mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I, I wound up settling on Amazon KDP okay. as the platform that I used. Okay. But then I also had to figure out things like I formatted all the book myself. Oh, and that's a lot of work too. That's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of work. So congratulations there. 
Now, you can find good instructions online. Can you? Okay. But, so I formatted the print version, then I had to format it a different way for the ebook. Mm-hmm. Initially, I designed the cover myself, too. I, I have since then had a professional designer kind of clean it up a little bit, make it look a little more professional. Okay, that's good. Because I think a lot of times you, the book cover is key. It's very important. That's the first thing they see when they go to Amazon looking for you. So I, I think that was probably a good idea. And got it up on Amazon. And since then, I've been working on marketing that first book and I writing a second one, a second collection of short stories. Okay, another, another collection. I, it's kind of nice because a lot of people read when they go to sleep. So you can kind of read a chapter, go to sleep. Next night, read another chapter. Like when you're reading a book, sometimes you're stuck in the middle and you can't finish it. It sometimes keeps you up all night if it's a murder yeah. mystery. So uh, <laughs> that's not always good because we need our sleep. So this is a good collection to be reading right before bed. Sounds good. Yeah. And there are some shorter ones and some longer ones. Mm-hmm. So depending on how much time you have, right. you can pick something that fits the amount of time you have. Yeah. But the, with the book I'm working on now, I'm actually arranging them all in increments of five minutes, 10 minutes, and 20 minutes. Oh, interesting. So... So we'll have 15 stories all together, mm-hmm. five in each of those lengths. Ah, five of them are only five minutes? Yeah. Wow. Five of them will be five-minute reads. That's a quick story. have got a story. couple of goals to write yet. Yeah. And that's... then 10-minute and 20-minute. Oh, that's interesting. Obviously, it depends a little bit on how fast you read. Yes, but yes. judging by average, average yeah. reading speed. Yeah. I'm a very slow reader, unfortunately. <laughs> very slow. <laughs> I am also. Yeah, but that's but I think okay. It's, I think it's because I'm a very deliberate Me too. sort of reader. I, I like to no. read each word. I'm not like zooming through. I've been to some speed reading classes, but then you're just kind of, your eyes are going over it. I actually kind of read the words in my head, which makes it much slower. So, but I enjoy it. Right. So whatever. Um, I enjoy the book. So it for me, it doesn't really matter, but. Everyone's doing Well, you get the full enjoyment of the book that way, yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So you also edit it yourself, I'm sure. I did. I also brought my oldest daughter in. Okay. My daughter, Kayla, who has a couple of master's degrees. She's mm-hmm. actually much smarter and better educated than I am. <laughs> but she had experiments from writing her master's thesis. Oh, okay. And editing that and working with a, a mentor and whatnot. So she was really helpful in coming in and giving a second set of eyes to everything. And you need and, that uh, because you know what you wrote. So I know sometimes I'm reading, I'm reading what I think is there and that's not what's there. So you skip right. over words and you miss corrections that you should have made, but your mind plays tricks on you. So you really do need a good editor that's reading things and sees those mistakes. It's not, people think it's so easy. It's not because you can make that same mistake with your eyes over and over again. And it never gets edited out of the book the right way because it might be a short word that you're reading the right word because you know what it should be, but it's misspelled. So it's not as easy as you think, correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, We used to say in in the newspaper business, you you read what you expect to see. Yes, it's true. It's absolutely true. It's helpful to have a second set of eyes. Yeah. But, and also too, all of the stories really, I had a few people that read them over as I went along. Mm Mm-hmm some friends and family that they say beta readers right who functioned like that and gave me feedback as we went along too that's good that's good i started reading the first story in your book which is safe list 
And I like oh, your, yes. I like your style. It's very easy to read. It's it's compelling the way you say things. So I like your style. I like your style of writing. So I'll be reading more of it too. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it was very easy I'll, and nice. I'll be excited to hear what is your favorite story in the book. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you know once I get through the whole book. I have to order the book first. I want, kind of read what you can read on Amazon. Oh, now I'm to get not. any further, I'll, re- I'll buy the book so I can actually read the whole thing. But it's nice that you get to do that on Amazon because they get a feel for the author and, and his writing style and all of that. And like, I like some people's writing style. If they get too wordy and too intense, I'm not going to read it. I want something light most of the time that's easy mm-hmm. to read as I'm falling asleep. So, and your writing is definitely very easy to do that with. So, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people look for that. I, I read a lot of, and you think I can remember her name, an author that just died last year. She wrote a lot of murder mysteries, but really light. Like, you don't, she doesn't write a whole lot about the murder, but then how she found out who did it and all of that. And it's Mary, Mary Higgins Clark. Oh, yes. My wife's a big fan of hers, Love, too. love, love her. She passed away, said there won't be any new books. And I think I read all the old books. So, but I like her writing style ease also. And yours seems not similar, but easy to read like hers was. So, well, if you like cozy mysteries, they yeah. call them cozy mysteries. Yes, I do. I do. I, I have an author to recommend to you. Oh, I don't know I, this lady, but she's another Nebraskan like myself. Okay. Her name is Kelly Blakenhoff. Oh, I haven't heard of her yet. And she writes, she's got a series going about a, her character is called Cassandra Sato. Oh, okay. <laughs> These all take place on a college campus. Uh huh. And it happens to be here in Nebraska. Some of my stories are college-based also, and I was on Amazon, and I saw the first of her books, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, well, I've got to buy this. Right. You know. Right. And I bought it as a Christmas present for my wife. She liked it so well, she bought the other two in the series. Wow. My biggest challenge in downsizing is getting rid of the books I have, because yes, I spend be painful. more money on books than movies. I don't go to the movies a lot. I love books. And it is painful, but I can't bring them all with me. But I'm probably going to have at least 25 book boxes of books, but I have a library chuck full. So I'm donating them. I'm giving them to Goodwill. I'm giving them to friends. I'm doing whatever I can to get rid of them. But it is hard. I love books. And people say, well, you can read it on on your tablet. Don't like to do that. I want the book in my hand. I want to feel the pages. I want to turn the page. Do not like writing. I'm on the computer a lot all day. I don't want to read a book on the computer mm-hmm. later on. I just don't. So I love my books. I really do. It's a big challenge. Things I read for work, I usually get as an ebook. Right, right. And that way I can read it on my computer at work. Yeah. Things that are business related. Right. But things I read for pleasure, I generally prefer to have that tactile sensation of holding the book. And yeah. I'm an old ink-stained wretch. I love the smell of ink on paper. Right. <laughs> If I could find my wife a cologne that smelled like ink on paper. Oh I'd my get God. It yeah, but you'd be the only one that liked it. No one else would. They'd all say, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, when you're around that, I mean, you were a newspaper guy for so many years. Yeah, you're you're definitely gonna like that. So I have another question about your stories. You wrote a couple about dating, but you've been yes. married 31 years. So how were you able to relate to writing those stories? Well, actually 35 years. Oh, 35. I was in the news, okay. I was in the newspaper business for 31 years. Okay. I've been married for 35 years. Okay, 35. But 
you know, some of that had to do with my own memories. Mm-hmm. And some of it had to do with, we have three daughters. Ah. And the experiences that they went through. Okay. We have three biological daughters. We were also foster parents for a while. So we had four other teenage girls in our house. Oh, different times. Wow. Oh, uh, girls, you know, you're brave. Course, you're brave to have all, because you know, girls, they're whiny. They're like in the bathroom all the time. And so to have three or four girls, you had to have a lot of bathrooms in the house, right? And we just, well, we have two. two. One upstairs, one downstairs. Oh, well. But, you know, we made it all work. You out. made it it's work. Fine. Yeah, yeah. But and they always had a lot of friends in and out of the house yep. and whatnot. And probably the youngest one, who's 25, is the one that's most involved with the dating scene at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I actually did consult with her and had her read some of those stories so that I knew that I was on, I was on track. Right. The one you're reading now really has a little bit more to do with uh, some experiences I had and talking to my brother. Mm -hmm. He's married also, but years ago when he was dating, some of the kinds of experiences that he had. Right. And uh, actually have a neighbor, friend of mine near in the neighborhood, came over to the house one evening because he had read the book and he wanted to talk about it. And as that first story is called The Safe List. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, I was always on the safe list. <laughs> That's a shame. I feel bad. <laughs> but yeah. But, but it was great that he found something that he could relate to. Yes, absolutely. Because as a writer, what I think of is that every book, every story has someone out there, at least one, mm-hmm. hopefully more than one, that needs to read that story. Yeah, I agree So with they you. feel like somebody else knows right. what they've experienced or how right. they feel. It's true and, because you wonder sometimes, like right now, there's a lot more black people that you're seeing in these high up places. And, and that's the one thing they say, finally, I'm seeing someone like me, my skin color out there up front, owning the business or being on TV as the weather person before it was all white people. So it is important to know that there's other people like you out there. So when they can relate to your stories, yeah, it's important. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great thing. Yeah. Because then they, they, maybe they've had that experience or a similar experience and they think, well, somebody knows what I've been through. Yeah. And usually I take it with a pretty lighthearted tone and whatnot. Right, right. But it can, it, it can hit close to home. And that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Another one of the stories in the book that's also about dating, it's called The Date Test. You may have heard of the duck test. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, right. talks like a duck, it's right. a duck. <laughs> so I wrote this about the fact that there's a lot of young people today Weren't sure if they've been out on a date or not. Isn't that weird? Because before you always knew you were asked out and you knew most of the time that it was a date. But yeah, I know today everything's changed. It's so different. I wrote the story (laughs) and at any rate, my oldest daughter, she, she said to me that uh, she thought the main character in the story reminded her of herself. And she thought the main character's best friend reminded her of her youngest sister. How about that? And, and I wasn't really thinking of either of them, maybe subconsciously. Right. I wasn't actually thinking of either of them when I wrote the story. Right. But they both found something that they could relate to personally. That's great. In that story. So, that, so you're appealing to all ages, which is also very nice. Older baby boomers, but you also are appealing to your younger kids, too. So... That's really nice when you can write something that appeals to a wide range of 
ages. Yeah, I hope it does. Yeah. I know obviously a lot of people more like my age or your age will probably relate to some of the stories more. Right. Because it's kind of hard to get around that. The things that you're writing about are the things that are important to you, your memories. And so other people who have those shared experiences. Right. One of the stories I kind of based on some of the camping trips that we took with our dad when we were kids. That's things that people my age will relate to. But, you know, some of the other things that came more from watching my kids and their teenage and college age experiences, hopefully people that age will relate to. Yeah, that sounds like it. So what advice do you have to maybe someone in my boomer nation who is an aspiring author, but they haven't written anything yet? What kind of advice would you give them to get started? What's their best thing to do? The best thing to do is, is just that, is to get started. Mm-hmm. There are an lot of things to learn, but you shouldn't let that overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. You can learn all kinds of things on the internet or buy books or listen to podcasts that are about things like story structure and plotting and certainly a lot of stuff about marketing and all that. You can learn all that as you go along. Don't let that intimidate you. Mm-hmm. Just get started. And write something that you're uh, familiar with, that's something that matters to you, right? But you love. Right. I think that's good advice because you're Uh, more likely to keep it up if it's something you love, right? Right. You can certainly, if you want to be writing the bestseller or whatnot, go out and research what's the genre that sells the most right now and, and try to do all that. But I think it's more important that you put something of yourself into the story Uh, And so you write about something you love or that matters a lot to you. And then hopefully it'll find its audience. Right. The marketing's not easy, but hopefully it will find its audience and it'll find that person that really needs to read that piece. Right. It's just like podcasts. Like the baby boomer population isn't, they're not listening to podcasts as much as younger people. And the biggest group right now is crime. People are listening to all the crime podcasts like crazy. But I wasn't going to do that just because that's the biggest area that you go into. I had to do what I love. And I wanted to talk about baby boomers and what they're doing to inspire younger people and to inspire each other. So I just went with what I know and what I wanted to talk about. And you grow the audience. It takes time, but you grow the audience. And and that is the best thing. Work from your passion because then you won't get tired of it because they say that after seven podcasts, most kind of podcasts, they call it pod fade. They kind of fade away because after seven, mm -hmm. they find Find out how much work it is. It's a lot of work and they just kind of fade away. But if you do something you really love, then you can keep it up. And I think it's very sad podcast. I'm a speaker, but when you're writing, you write on paper, but they're very similar. Well, I heard you mentioned that in your podcast with DR mm-hmm. about the after about seven episodes. And you mentioned also that, you know, some of the work that you farm out because it's not what you want to be doing. No, no. And right. That's perfectly acceptable for that person that's worried about, I don't know how to do all this. You know, you don't have to know how to do everything. Right. Just get started with the writing. When it comes time to hire an editor, there are lots of places online you can look. Mm -hmm. Five, Joanna Penn's website, The Creative Pen, Readsy. They all have ways of getting in contact with editors and hiring them. Right. When it comes time to have a cover designed, if you don't want to do that yourself, There was a lot of people that you can hire for help and it can be a lot cheaper than a lot of people think. Yeah, they really can. I think like when I 
came up with my podcast logo, it didn't cost me a fortune. I knew what I wanted. So I just kind of, I have that granny pilot up in the little prop plane. So I found that online and I paid so that I would own that little cartoon lady. And then I went to somebody that kind of put it together for me. And it really, in your head, you always think it's going to be much more money than it is. It really wasn't that bad to come up with that. So you don't need to be intimidated by those things. No. And even the lighting kinds of things, you don't need to be intimidated by. Right. Just get in there and start doing it. And you can learn the rest as you go along. Right. Presumably, you know how to put a sentence together. Right. I think most people our age do. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's true. We've learned a lot in school that maybe the kids today aren't learning. So we do know. And do you have a schedule? Like, you do you write every day at a certain time? I'm assuming that if somebody new wants to write, they need to write every day because you've got to hone your craft. So the more you do, the better you get. But do you That's have true. a regular schedule that you stick to? Well, my schedule is a little less regular than some people because I, I have a day job as well. Right. So I'm writing every day there, right. but I'm writing things for other people. I'm writing TV and radio commercials and video scripts and advertising and those kinds of things. Right. So my own writing, I kind of concentrate on in the evening mm-hmm. during the week and then mornings during the weekend. Right. So I'll sequester myself here in my inner sanctum and, and work on the writing for a while. And especially if I've got a particular story that I'm working on or a blog post I'm working on, I'll probably spend a little more time Mm -hmm. in the evenings during the week. I don't like that to completely run my life. You talk about golf widows. I don't want my wife to be a writing widow. (laughs) No, right. (laughs) But so I got to spend some time with her too. Absolutely. But, But that's kind of my schedule in the evenings and then on the weekends during the morning. Right. And I might write five, 600 words mm-hmm. at a stretch, sometimes longer. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, I've sat down and banged out an entire story all in one stretch. Mm. Wow. You know, a shorter one, like maybe about 1,500 words, something mm-hmm. like that. Right. But uh, if someone is retired, for instance, and they have right. time to devote to it, I think morning is a good time. Yeah. Because you're fresh in the morning. Yeah, I agree. And you can spend a few hours doing that Mm -hmm. and then have the rest of your day to, you know, live your life. Yeah. I think I heard Stephen King being interviewed once and he gets up at a certain time and writes till about, I thought he said one in the afternoon and then he's done. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of even writers that write full time, they do, they have their schedule. They, and most of them are morning. Now I'm a night person. So sometimes I do better at night, but most of the time, if you're writing, you're better off doing it when you're fresh, right? First thing in the morning. So, yes. And if you're Stephen consistent, King, by the way, what was has that? a great book about writing, Stephen King. Oh, okay. It's called On Writing a Memoir of the Craft. Oh. And it's not really so much of a how to book as it is about his life, how he got into writing, mm-hmm. and then some advice about, about how to proceed. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's, you know, the more you can read about things that are going to help you, the better. And there are people out there I know that have always, always, always wanted to write a book. They feel like this book is inside of them. And if that's you out there, you really need to get it out. Then you just need to start writing. Like RJ says, get out there and start writing and you'll get better. And there's lots of help online. There's lots of coaches that will help you as well. So there's lots of help if you need it. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm the type of person that believes writing is a compulsion. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're a writer, yeah. you know, and you've got it inside, 
you better let it out. Franz Kafka said, a non-writing writer <laughs> it is a monster quoting disaster. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so don't be a monster. Get right. out there and get your writing out. You know, it's like rock stars. Like all kids think, oh, I want to be a rock star. But the, the guys who have that music inside of them, they cannot help themselves. They have got to get it out. And, and a lot of them are very successful. Not all of them, but a lot of them, because they can't do anything else, even if they wanted to. They can't. It's just that is part of them. My husband has always worked in like construction, painting, paper hanging. Then he started doing um, interior design and rehabbing kitchens and baths. But he loves oh, uh -huh. to cook. He always wanted to be a cook. So every day he cooks all of my meals because it's something he never gets tired of. He loves to cook. He would have been a chef had he been able to, but he grew up in Germany. And at the time when you're 14, you have to pick what profession you want to be. Oh, yes. And to be a chef, you would have had to go to a big hotel and you had to pay the cost of living there. They would teach you for free, but you had to have somebody pay for that cost. And his mother couldn't do it. So she goes, well, there's this local guy who can teach you how to do painting and paper hanging. That's where you're going. So unfortunately, that's where he went. But truly loves, loves, loves to cook. And we almost bought a restaurant a couple of times. I'm kind of glad we didn't because again, then, then, then it's a job and there's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And now he just, but when anyone comes in the front door, they get fed. I don't, if they're working on our house or fixing something for, I don't care what they get fed. He loves to cook. He loves to feed people. So, you know, it, and you've got to feel that way about your writing too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's gotta be something you love doing and and, you know, if you're a writer, you'll know it because it'll keep banging on the back of your head until you let it out. That's right. That's right. So any of you out there listening that it keeps banging around in your head, let it out and see, you know, you'll never forgive yourself if you don't try. So and none of us know how much time we have left. So get out there and start writing. Just give it a try. Right. Definitely. So where do my audience go? Any contact information? Go ahead and share that with us, RJ. And the book is available on Amazon, Lion Taming, Dating, and Other Dangerous Endeavors. People can contact me at rjpostauthor at gmail.com. I also have a website, rjpostauthor.com. And I'm on Facebook and YouTube under rjpostauthor. Great. So there's lots of different places they can find you. So I encourage you to hook up with RJ. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more information that will help you if you're an inspiring author. So feel free to check out and of course, buy his book. It's a lot of fun to read. It was very interesting. Well, thank you for being an inspiring guest today, RJ. You gave some valuable tips to any of the aspiring writers in the audience. It's been a lot of fun and I thank you and I'll definitely be looking out for your books. Well, that's great. I'd be happy to send you a copy. That would be great. I would appreciate that. All right. I've okay. had a good time talking. It's been great. I've had a lot of fun. I think people will have fun listening too, and they'll get a lot of valuable tips. Wonderful. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old. <laughs>